but they minister to us. And so I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you to our pastors for doing that. Um, Let's pray before we get started. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house as always, Father God, the opportunity that we can all come together and worship you, Father, so that we can hear your word, that we can hear what it is that you're trying to tell us each and every week, Father God, that we can carry it to, to others during the week, Father. And I would just ask right now that you would anoint each and every one of us, that you would anoint our hearts and our minds to receive what it is that you want us to hear, and that you would anoint me to be your mouthpiece this morning, Father God. Don't let it be Michael speaking, but let it be you, Father God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So before I get started, I wanted to mention something um, that we're going to, that um, I've already talked to uh, Pastor Ginger about this and got permission to, to, all, to do all this. So starting in October... Um, we're going to be starting up a, a little Bible study on Thursday evenings, okay? And there'll be more details to come, but we're going to do a small Bible study. It's going to be, um, I think it's an eight-week Bible study, and then we'll see how it goes. Um, it will actually be at mine and Angela's home. Child care will not be provided, unfortunately, so you will need to find your own child care. But we really encourage you guys to come because we're going to be speaking about love. In fact, we're going to be going through the book um, that Brian Jentenson wrote called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. And the reason why I really wanted to mention that this morning is because that's sort of what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Um, it was a, it's a very powerful book. And I think once you kind of get a hold of what's being said and um, how he presents it in the book, It's a life-changing experience, and it was for me. It was a life-changing experience. A lot of what you're going to hear this morning came out of that, okay? Um, Of course, God's been dealing with me. He has just been on me about love lately. And, in fact, if you were here um, in Disciple Walk Wednesday night, you kind of got a little bit of a teaser trailer for what I'm going to be talking about this morning. But I'm going to go into a little bit more in-depth about it. Um. And you may be thinking about, well, how does this, you know, relate to our identity? Because we've been talking about what our identity in Christ is. And and you're going to see here in just a moment that, and I kind of touched on this a little bit Wednesday night, that God is love. And therefore, when we begin to take on his identity, we have a supernatural ability to love. And I love one of the things that Jim Hockaday has always said, that there really is no such thing as a supernatural thing. Okay, Jim Hockaday is, is big on preaching on the fact that it's natural. That's a natural thing. We look at it as being supernatural because it's not something that happens here on earth all the time, right? Um, but it should be because that's a natural thing. When you start talking about things that, that happen in the spirit realm, those should be natural things. And so um, just want to talk a little bit this morning about what our identity looks like. So I'm about to get a little bit nerdy this morning, right? So most of you know that I am a computer nerd. I've been a computer nerd since I was like, I know, right? Really? Wow. Yeah, since I was like 12 years old, okay? I mean, yes, they had computers back then. (laughs) Paul's just jealous because his his computer was an abacus. I'm just messing after I just thanked him for letting me up on the platform, right? Enjoy. Enjoy. This is my last time. Uh, well, no, no. If the previous time before that didn't get me kicked off, this one's definitely not. 
Um, so anyway, uh, I, I'm a, yes, I'm a computer nerd. Uh, that is my, my professional secular job is I work with computers. I am an IT professional. I work with computers and technology all day. Um, yes, I teach, but you know what I teach? Technology, okay? So I'm around technology all the time. I've got technology on my wrist. I've got technology in my pocket. I've got technology everywhere. My house, you can walk into it until it turn on the lights and the lights come on, okay? Um, it's just really fun thing. So yes, I am into technology. But here's the thing. I want you to imagine something. I'm going to try to um, explain this in a way that makes sense to other people because if I start like for instance if, if Pastor Greg comes up here and starts talking about banking he can start using banking terms and we all start to do this because we have no clue what he's talking about right and so computers especially there's a lot of terms that that computer professionals use um, Joel Gray is one of the biggest ones to make fun of me he goes so Michael the, the HTML PDF format introversion um, doesn't and he starts making fun of me so I understand it, okay? But I want to try to explain something to you real quick. So inside of a computer, you have something called a processor. This is the brains of the computer. It's what does all of the work, okay? I kind of wish Tom Grant was in here this morning because he would really be able to understand this. And I would just be looking right at him when I'm speaking. But there's a, something inside of a computer called the processor, and that is the one that does all of the work. It's, it's, the, it's the main brain of the computer and it tells everything else how to operate how to function and all this kind of stuff but the thing is just by itself it can't do anything it doesn't even know what it is there's actually one other piece of instruction code that has to be loaded before the, even the processor can operate inside of a computer there's a piece of instruction software called the bios which stands for Basic Input-Output System. Not that you guys really want to care about that. But I know, here we go. Um, I'm just trying to stay awake. Just follow me for a second. When the computer boots up, there's that look. When the computer boots up, that instruction tells all of the other components in the computer what they are and what their function is. It tells them their identity. Now, that most powerful piece of hardware on the inside of the computer, that processor... It has now got the freedom to be able to operate as it was intended to operate. It has the freedom to be able to operate as it was built and designed to operate. But it can't do it until that instruction tells it to do it. Okay? So, just want to leave you with that little bit of nerdiness before we get started. <laughs> so listen, I want to pull up Galatians 5.1 for a moment. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, there's some important words happening here. So, first of all, it's saying, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. How many of you know that there is freedom in Christ? Okay? Now, we have to begin to unlock this freedom. So, you get a sense of freedom automatically upon salvation. We all know that. If you're, if you're sitting in this room and you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. There's a sense of freedom that completely changes your existence in that moment and say, okay, I'm free. I can do certain things now. I feel different. I know what's going to be happening to me after death, for instance. 
But then there's also something else that happens, and we, let's look, continue to read. And it says, do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage, because some things we're not immediately set free from. Correct? Okay. So we're going to talk about that for a second. So Paul wrote this warning to the church. The phrase burdened again or entangled again indicates that he knew it was possible for believers to become bound. We live in bondage to sin and have become slaves to our own habits and emotions. Many Christians don't even know that they're captive. They, can, they just continue to exist in life without even realizing that there's something there that's holding them back. There's something there that's stopping them from being able to, to operate in the freedom that they have been granted through Christ. There's, they haven't received that BIOS instruction code that tells them exactly what they're supposed to do yet because they're still being bound by something. There's a barrier still in the way. So it's important that we don't go back to that slavery. We don't want to go back to the bondage that kept us from knowing who we are and what we're called to do. God set us free to live the rest of our lives not in a self-inflicted bondage. He or, in order to find freedom, we must be alert so that we don't return to that captivity. We need to be aware of what's going on, and that's really where we're going to focus this morning. So listen, we're supposed to embrace God unconditionally. We're supposed to embrace him for who he is. Would you all agree with that? Okay. Even if we don't agree with it, and even if it's hard sometimes, God is not like a lump of clay that we can form into something that pleases us, right? I have said this in the past, that you'll see Christianity today almost like the Burger King Christianity. Okay, y'all ever gone to Burger King? They're one of their slogans, I don't know if they still use this slogan or not, um, that says, have it your way. They don't use that anymore? They used to use it, right? <laughs> now you're to just get what you get, right? So it used to be, have it your way. So often, that's what, that's what Christians tend to look like now. They want it their way, don't they? They want it their way. They try to begin to form God into their own image and say, well, you know what? God will allow this. God will allow this into my life. God will let me do this stuff. God doesn't care, right? But that's not the truth. God is who he is. He was here before any of us, and he will be here long after we're gone from this earth. He is a God that deserves to be loved and worshipped. He is not a resource to be used. He is not a genie in a lamp. You don't just bring him out when you need him, right? So we're not just bringing God out and go, oh, God, I'm going through a hard time. Now, I'm not saying he's not there for that stuff, right? He obviously is. God says that he walks with us. He's there in the hard times. He's there in the happy times. And the happy times is what I'm talking about. We should be walking all the time, not just when we try to pull him out and try to use him for Jesus crisis, right? So look, God is a God of love, which is very different than human love. I was talking to Angela about this this morning. Um, Mankind, we know, is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. 
When we die, this body passes away. Our spirit goes to be with the Lord. But there is that soul, which is our, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And that's typically how we relate to love. Obviously, there's a physical love, right? There's that lustful love. That's what the flesh operates in. But then there's also that mental love, the, the emotional love. This is the emotional love that you tend to, to, to form with your spouse, with your friends, with your children. These, the, now, there's a, there's a spirit love behind it, but there's, a, there's that bond that you're feeling emotionally. God doesn't feel that. All of God's love is spiritual. It is so deep that we can't even begin to comprehend it until a few things happen. So God's love is unconditional. It's not based on feelings or emotions or how he's feeling in the present moment. Think about that for a minute. How often have we loved somebody because everything's going great? And then all of a sudden when things aren't going so great, you take a step back. That's hard. Now, I'm not saying you love that person differently or, or less, but you do feel differently about that person because there's an emotion that's tied to it. And we may begin to treat them a little bit different. So I can remember when Angela and I were, were early in our marriage and she did something that I didn't like because there was a lot of things she didn't like because I was a hard person to live with, okay? Then I would get mad and I would treat her different. I was petty and spiteful. I'm not anymore though, right? You're supposed to say yes. Yes, yes, okay. Um, so, I mean, but that's how we tend to operate in the natural. We're supposed to love God as he is because he loves us as we are. Okay? Now, you're saying, well, how does this translate to me? Well, because... If God loves us that way and we're commanded to be more like God and more like Christ, then we're supposed to love others as he loves others, as he loves others, right? Okay. So Jesus, we know, came into this world to redeem us, to forgive us, to restore us. Lead us on a path of purity. And if we're pursuing the faith, then we have to cultivate our love for Christ. Because, see, this is the first step. I can't begin to love others as Christ loves them until I begin to have a, that relationship with God. Now, you may think, well, I love God. Of course I do. He saved me. Really? Well, let's, let's just continue on for a minute. Just hold that thought. Our ability to triumph over temptation will be dependent on the strength of our love for Christ. Do you know that? Our ability to triumph over temptation is dependent upon the strength of our love for Christ. If we're in a place where we're constantly saying that our temptation is no big deal, we're never going to change. If you're in a place where you're like, you know what? That's okay. I can, I can keep, I can hold on to this. It's not a big deal. Christ forgives me. Yeah, but... Are you supposed to hold that stuff in? No, because now that's creating a barrier. Hello. Um, Y'all heard that, right? Okay, just making sure I'm not going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, if we're in a place where we're constantly saying that our temptation is no big deal, we're never going to change. But once we came to a place of saying, this matters to God, therefore it matters to me. 
that's where change happens. Because now something is important to God and now it becomes important to us and we begin to say, I want to make my father happy. I love God because he loves me and therefore I love others. We begin to operate in that. I hope this is coming across. I really do. We must be able to stand under great pressure. And that great pressure, we can only stand in that great pressure once we've got that firm relationship with Christ. Because, folks, I'm telling you, when you start talking about love and loving others, it really begins to come down hard. Because then we have to show this unconditional love even when we don't want to. Even to people that are hard to love. Okay? I know that there are people who don't like me. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe they don't like my personality. They probably don't like my personality. Maybe they just don't like the things that I'm into. Whatever it is. But they still have to love me. There are things about... Some of you that I don't really, I'm joking. Um, But that still doesn't stop the fact that we have to love each other. Okay? And I, I mentioned this kind of Wednesday night. There is a breakdown in love right now in this country. All across the world. You can look at the division that's happening right now. In the, I mean, politically, racially, uh, uh, just belief systems. I mean, you know, vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, maskers, anti-maxxers, uh, maskers, ma- maxers, maskers, um, uh, Democrat, Republican, Trump, Biden, black, white. I mean, there's just all sorts of these divisions, and it all because we can't just seem to find a way to love each other. Okay? And that's, the, that's part of the problem. What, and the enemy knows this. He's done nothing new. He's been doing this for eons. Okay? He is doing nothing new because he knows that if he can divide a people, he can conquer them. We cannot let him divide us. We have to stand up and say, you know what? They may be different than us. They may think differently than us. They may have a different belief system. They may think politically different. Maybe they don't agree with the same things that I don't agree with, but we still have to show love. What does that showing love necessarily look like? Sometimes it just means that you don't say anything. That's hard. Because our natural instinct is to want to either defend ourselves, defend what we believe, but sometimes just not saying anything is a way of showing love. Holding our tongue. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a time to speak up righteously, okay? If we're defending our Savior, absolutely. Okay? I'm not going to go into that just yet. When that type of love begins to flourish, we will see our temptation in a new light, and then we begin to see the sight of victory. Okay? So, what does this mean? When you begin to find love... There's a freedom. There's a freedom that begins to happen. Something changes on the inside of you. And now you know who you are. You begin to walk in that love. And you see people in a different light. You see the spirit behind them 
instead of what's in front of you. If I'm looking at somebody that maybe I don't necessarily like or that I don't necessarily get along with, I don't look at that person and go, man, there's that so-and-so person that I don't like. We begin to look at them and go, oh, there's that person that's hurting. There's that person who has a spirit of depression upon them. There's that person who has a spirit of anxiety that's bothering them. There's that person that they're living in a, in a, in a, in a position of, of poverty and it's affecting them because other spirits begin to attach themselves, right? It all starts with one. Once we begin to open the door to all of these spirits being able to attach themselves, the other ones just begin to latch on and they begin to feed. And before you know it, you're being blinded. You can't see Christ anymore because all of these things are surrounding you. I uh, was watching a video um, this past week, and it was, it's kind of an old video. I, I, I almost wanted to play it this morning, and I didn't do it because it was kind of long. But it was a video that um, our youth group, and I say our youth group, when, when I used to be a youth leader like a billion years ago, and our youth group, who at the time had Cameron Cawthon in it, and Matt Lede in it, and probably some other names that you might remember. Um, uh, Paige Salas was in there. Kendall Anders was in there. My point is, is this, this was the youth group. They were youth. I'm beginning to feel really old because they all have kids now. But they did a little production one time, um, and it was one that was going around big, and it was set to music, and it was really cool. Cameron Cawthon played Lust. Matt Lede played Jesus, right? The idea was, is this, this young woman was being tormented. She started out loving Christ, and she was being tormented, and all of these spirits began to, like, you know, surround her, and she could not get to Christ because they were blinding her. And finally, in the end, the spirit of depression, after all of these other spirits began to torment her, the spirit of depression was trying to make her commit suicide. And she said, nope, enough is enough. And there's this struggle. You can, Don't start. There's this struggle that you can see in this video of Christ pulling at her to pull her back. And she can't get through because of all these spirits that are oppressing her. And finally, after Christ says, that's enough pulling, I jump in. And he jumps in, and now all the spirits are attacking him. And he just throws them off. And she's been redeemed. She's free. She carries on her life. Such an awesome thing. And it all shows Christ's love for us. We find this freedom when we open our hearts up to forgiveness. So now we're actually getting into where I wanted to go with this. Is forgiveness. God has really, really been dealing with me over this, over the last, I don't know, forever, it seems. Love has always been hard for me. I look back at my parents right now. I'm sure they can attest to the fact that when I was a young man, I was a touch-me-not. Okay? I didn't want anybody to touch me. If you said, I love you, I wouldn't even respond. If you gave me a hug, I would cringe. I didn't want affection. I didn't want to be told that I was loved. I had built up a shell around myself because I had been hurt. My family didn't hurt me. I grew up in a wonderful home. Still got both of my parents. It's awesome. 
But I had been hurt. I was a skinny kid, tall. Believe it or not, I was skinny. I was picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot. I was hurt. The first girl that I asked out broke my heart. Okay? I know, right? Um, But I had been hurt so many times, I wouldn't let anybody in. I had built up the shell around myself. And it wasn't until God came in. There was one time I remember, and I'm just being, I'm just going to be open and honest with you guys. I was in high school at the time, and I was being picked on. And for any of you that's ever been bullied in school, y'all know the bathrooms are the worst places to be. Okay? That's where all of the bullying tends to happen, is in the bathrooms. Because there's usually no teachers in there, right? Um, And so that's where things tend to happen. And I was being bullied. I'm not going to go into details of how I was being bullied. Not the place for that, but I was being bullied, okay? The point that I'm trying to make, though, is I remember in that moment, I coped with it like this, and I said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now, that was a big deal for me as a teenager in school because I was trying to show forgiveness, and I didn't even know how in, the, in that moment, but I did. I was trying to show forgiveness because they didn't know what they were doing. They were just being teenagers because that's what teenagers do. They didn't realize how this was going to affect me. But I forgave them. That was my first experience with forgiveness. And even now to this day, I still lean on that scripture. When I feel like I've being, I'm being hurt by someone and I don't think that it's them because I know it's the spirit behind them, I say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing because it's a spirit behind them. As Christians, we're called to forgive. The Bible says, bear with each other and forgive one another. Any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgive you. This is Colossians 3.13. If you want to pull it up, you can. It doesn't matter. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another. Bear with one another. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against each other, even as Christ forgave you, then you must also do. We have to forgive. That is so hard to do sometimes, but we have to. We have to forgive. Because without that forgiveness, there is no freedom. And that central processing unit, that CPU that I was talking about, can never be unlocked. The power, the immense power that's there cannot be unlocked unless that barrier is removed. It starts with forgiveness. Forgiveness allows us to overcome feelings of anger, bitterness, and revenge. It helps us to heal spiritual wounds, bring the peace and love that only God can give, Unforgiveness stands between us and God. It is through grace God has forgiven us and sees us as righteous. And if God forgive us for all the awful things that we can do, then we should forgive others. Just think for a moment about the things that you've done. Some of them are worse than others, right? But God forgives us every single time. He's not out there going, oh, you know what? I can't. I just can't, I can't deal with that one. You you stole something, can't deal with that. You have unforgiveness in your heart, your anger towards, I just just can't. No, there's, there's a forgiveness there that Christ has every single time. Now, that's not to say that it's a sin credit card, right? 
We can't just go out and still do what we want and then come to Christ and say, okay, forgive me. It's not what it's about. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. We don't keep track of all the times we've been hurt by someone. That is what true forgiveness is. is that we don't even count those things anymore. Those things don't matter anymore. That we have just begun to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what they've done in the past. Matthew 6.15 basically says that if you do not release forgiveness, then you will not be forgiven. Look, it says if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That's scary. That's... That should be like, whoo, I need to do a self-check. And you may think, well, Michael, that's easier said than done. Nobody said it was easy. Sometimes it is easy. Most times it's not. The hardest ones to forgive are our loved ones. Did you know that? Because usually that's where they've hurt the most. You feel it deeper because you love them so much. It feels like a betrayal sometimes. But you have to forgive them. I love this example. I, um, I was reading about this one time. Y'all, you ever seen the Heinz 57 bottles? Ketchup? Stephen Searle, have you ever seen a Heinz 57 ketchup bottle? Loves ketchup. Okay. Y'all know Heinz 57 has this reputation for like being so thick it doesn't come out of the bottle. Okay. There's, there's an example, and maybe you've all, all have heard this before, but how do you get the ketchup out? You just keep banging on the bottom of it until a glass breaks out or the big old blob comes out. Well, they asked, they asked the Heinz 57 people, how do you get it to come out? And they said, if you look on the label where the 57 is on the Heinz 57 bottle, you just tap it. You just keep tapping it. And eventually it's going to come out. And for real, look it up if you don't believe me. Just keep tapping it. Keep tapping it. Eventually, it will come out. Did you know forgiveness works the same way? If you just keep tapping it. If you keep showing love to that person, even when you feel they don't deserve it, even when you feel it's hard, and even in some small way, maybe just text them and say, hey, I'm thinking about you today. Bringing them something to eat. Buying them a cup of coffee. Something. Praying for them. Praying blessings for them. Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? You don't want this person to be blessed. No, they hurt me. I want them to hurt too. But you can't do that. We have to pray pray blessings upon them. When you begin to do those things and you keep tapping on that bottle, it'll flow. It'll flow. So, folks, love matters. Do you know that? Love matters. To move forward, we have to release the past and reach for the future. God does his most stunning work where things seem hopeless. Wherever there is pain, suffering, and desperation, Jesus is there. And the pain you feel today is the pain that you can heal. Okay? Now, I know that may be hard. Sometimes we're going through a situation in the moment and you're like, man, I'm hurting so bad. I just, I can't forgive. That's the times at the most when you begin to need to show love. 
right when you first feeling it. I used to suffer from migraines almost my entire life, from the time I was a teenager up to when I was an adult. Lost weight, it's gone. For real. Had had a migraine since I started losing weight. It's awesome. But here's the thing. I suffered from migraines almost my entire life. And I remember talking to the doctor about it when I first got them. And, and he says, well, when you feel a migraine start to come on, that's when you take something. Because by the time the migraine's full-blown, there's not really a lot you can do. For any of you that's ever suffered through those things, like, they can be debilitating, and you just have to, like, let it run its course. Okay? But if you take something right when it starts to happen, oftentimes you can catch it before it starts. Forgiveness works the same way. When you feel that begin to happen, when you feel that unforgiveness begin to well up inside of you, that's when we have to begin to act. That's when we begin to show love because now it's a lot easier to take care of than once it's full blown. Okay? So it matters. Um, this is a scripture, and I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it would just, it's, we just don't have a whole lot of time left. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first few verses of that, uh, is, is basically it's talking about love. Okay? And I'm not going to read the, the whole thing because this is a scripture that we're pretty much all familiar with. You know, it's talking about love is patient, love is kind, love is, 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 is uh, uh, it, it bears all things, it can do all things. Um, this is a, a, a mirror prof, excuse me, a mirror scripture to that one. It says, if I give my possessions over to the poor, to the hardship that I may boast, I, 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 but I have not love, I gain nothing. Um, uh, it, 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 love does not seek in or rejoices in evil. It always protects, it always hopes, it always uh, perseveres. And then there's the verse that I want to focus on right there where it says, love never fails. Love never fails. God so loved us, he did what? He sent his son. Love never fails. There's no way that love can ever be the wrong answer. Never. If you're always wondering, what should I do? I just don't know what to do. Default to love. That's always the right answer. You know, we're in these situations sometimes where we're dealing with it and we're like, God, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know if I should, I should do this with this person or, or, or should, should, I, um, uh, should, should I talk to this person? If the motivation behind it is love, then yes, you should. Now, if you're just wanting to talk to this person so you can get your point across, no, that's not showing love now. But we have to show love. Love never fails. Love is always the right answer. It's never wrong to show love. We're going to choose love over hurt. We choose love to uh, love, choose to love others always, choose to press forward, and you choose to heal your own wounds because you're the one in the driver's seat. So God's leading the way. He's our GPS. But how many people know that you can go away from that GPS in a heartbeat? Every time I get off path on my little Google Maps, it goes, ding, rerouting, and it's to give you another route, you know. I'm still in the driver's seat. It's giving me the directions to go, but I can choose not to do it if I want to. So you're in the driver's seat. You can either choose to live in your unforgiveness, which means now you're choosing to live in bondage. 
And we just said that releasing love is releasing freedom. I assume that we want to be free. So you're in the driver's seat. What would your life look like if God did not respond to your weakness, your sins, your addictions, or your failures with grace and love? I know I wouldn't be in a very good place right now. So we have to begin to show that same response to others. In their weakness, in their failures, we have to show love. Love people who've messed up. It's one of the reasons why I love Teen Challenge. It's one of those places to where they say, you know what, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. We're going to love you because of you. And they surround you with people who love you, who encourage you, and help to heal you. And I love the fact that this church is attached to that, that we have Generation House that takes it even a step further. And you know what? We love you so much that we're going to help you get back in. We're going to help you get tied in with the church, with people who that love you, who that can help you provide you accountability. I've seen so many good things come out of this stuff. So it's never out of order to love. You don't compromise your faith when you love. This is what it means to love like you've never been hurt. Sometimes we just have to stop what we're doing and just show love. And any unforgiveness that you have is going to block that. When it comes to our battle with that temptation, God doesn't simply tell us to pray about it, but he says to take action against it. The great thing about scripture is the fact that it's always active and particularly when it comes to the struggles of temptation. God calls us to put up a fight. I want to look at Romans 8.13 for one second. This will be the last scripture. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. The Apostle Paul reminds us that the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion which part of that is unforgiveness. Many Christians believe that they can do nothing more in the face of temptation except to admit their own helplessness and to submit to the Lord. But we're told in the New Testament that we are provided spiritual armor in which we can fight with the devil and destroy all that he has tried to build up around us. I'm telling you right now, folks, if you want freedom and you feel like Man, I could just do more. God's called me to do more. I know that. We all have our identity in Christ, and we're free in Christ. But if you want more of that freedom, one of the things we have to do is begin to show love. And sometimes there's, there's unforgiveness. Almost always there's some sort of unforgiveness that's blocking that freedom, that's blocking that love. Any time that you, and this is, this is what's really great about this church and the people that we're associated with. One of the things that they always tell us is when you begin to say, I want to operate in a gift, you want to begin to develop your prayer language. You want to begin to, to, to heal people, to give words of knowledge, words of prophecy, 
words of wisdom, the first thing that they're going to tell you is, start doing it. You have to practice it, right? The only way to begin to practice healing is to start laying hands on people. The only way to practice prophetic words is to begin to speak life over people. The one way to develop a relationship with God is to begin to talk to him. So the only way to begin to practice love is to begin to show it. In whatever fashion you can start with, start tapping on the side of that bottle. Start tapping on it. You may be tapping light at first, and then you get more aggressive because it's starting to come out, and you really want it, and you start tapping on it. And there it is. You got what you were looking for. When we begin to do these things, we discover areas of our lives that are out of sync because God's going to begin to show you so much more. You'll begin to receive wisdom for living with greater love, strength, and freedom in Christ. When we trust God fully, we begin to find freedom in his commands. Man, that's so good. We begin to find freedom in just following him, in just doing what he says, in just loving. We find freedom because now you don't look at that person the same way anymore. You don't look at them anymore and see, oh, there's that so-and-so person that I don't like. You're seeing them in a different way. You're seeing the spirit behind the person. I had someone say something to me recently about this, and, and I, I just smiled when they said it because I'm like, yes, they get it. I love it. Someone that they didn't necessarily like. And they said, oh, I really do feel bad for that person because they, they've grown up in this environment. They've had these things happen to them. This developed who they are. And I'm like, yes, because you know it's not them. And so when you're loving on a person, you're not loving the spirit behind them. You're loving on the person that's in them. You're loving on the spirit that dwells with inside them. You're loving on that spirit, which is also the same spirit that lives within you. Did you know that? Inside each and every human being, there is a spirit. There is a small part of God that lives in every single one of us. And I'm telling you right now, when you love that spirit, you're loving God. That's all I've got. I'm going to, I, I want to give you guys an opportunity because I know this was really important to me. This was a big deal to me. Um, Pastor Greg, would you be willing to come up and, and shake a leg? Um, I, I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond, and I, I don't mean to change the mood here, but I know that we all deal with some level of unforgiveness in our heart. Okay. It, it doesn't matter how, how small or big it is, but what it's doing is it's putting a barrier. It's putting a barrier between us and what God has called us to do. Ooh, that joker is like, nice. Um, it's put a barrier between us and what God's called us to do. We need to begin to unlock that barrier. Remove that unforgiveness in our heart so that we can begin to show love. And when that love begins to flow and unforgiveness goes away, there's a freedom. Right? It's a freedom that we haven't felt before. It's a freedom that unlocks other things. So at this point, 
Now you can begin to operate in all of the other things that we see everybody else do. Right? So that when we can begin to operate and say, oh my goodness, I just feel something about this person. It's all because it's been unlocked. The power of that computer processor has been unlocked. And we can feel free to operate. So if you guys would stand. And if you need to leave, I get it. No big deal. Um, but I just want to give you guys an opportunity to come to the front and just pray. I'll be here to pray with you. we got others. The pastors are here. They can all pray with you. Um,